DiscerningHearts.com presents The School of Prayer, Reflections on the Teachings of Pope Benedict XVI with Deacon James Keating. Deacon Keating is a professor of spiritual theology and serves as a spiritual director at Kenrick Lennon Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. Deacon Keating has led more than 400 workshops in areas of morality and spirituality and has authored numerous books, including The Way of Mystery, Listening for Truth, and Spiritual Fatherhood. The School of Prayer, Reflections on the Teachings of Pope Benedict XVI with Deacon James Keating. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We're reflecting on Pope Benedict XVI's Wednesday audiences on prayer. In one of those moments, he speaks of Moses. Moses and his relationship with God. He speaks of him once again as intercessor, and that's not the first time we've really heard that particular train of thought from the Holy Father when it comes to prayer. Intercession is one of the great modes of prayer, the great mode of being with God. Of course, it's the bridge between being with God and being for others, and it is a pale reflection of the mission of Jesus himself, which was to be the mediator uh, between the Father and ourselves for the purpose of salvation and reconciliation. And so in the spirit of Jesus, and particularly in calling down and upon the spirit of Jesus, we then intercede uh, in his spirit for those that we know who are suffering or sick or perhaps in deep sin and we are longing for their conversion. And so this uh, role of intercession is an extension of the ministry of Jesus and becomes crucial in our understanding of how to deepen our own prayer life. It's not the ex- it doesn't exhaust the meaning of prayer, but it is a particular and very vital mode of prayer that we need uh, perhaps to, to reflect on further in our parishes regarding its essential uh, component for our Catholic life. We really do need uh, to be for one another before God. And you see this uh, in its prominence in the liturgy. Uh, we intercede for one another in the, uh, in the uh, Eucharistic prayers, and we intercede for one another in the prayer of the faithful. And of course, hopefully, personally and privately, in the moments of silence that the priest gives us, we are interceding for others as well. So within the official prayer of the Church, the, the Eucharistic liturgy, we see prominently the role of intercession. But as I noted, it's simply an extension of Jesus' ministry, and we need to call uh, the Lord into our hearts more deeply so that we will fall in love with intercession as well. The Holy Father brings forth in this moment with Moses, where he has ascended Mount Sinai to receive the tablets of the law. He, He brings forward how the people were tired following uh, a path of an invisible God, that they desired to have a tangible, that palpable presence of the Lord. And so they created this uh, metal calf, the molten metal calf, that somehow would become God to them. And that's a, a danger that we experience even today, isn't it? Deep within our human nature is this uh, uh, fear uh, that uh, faith is simply a uh, psychological project- projection, 
out of need. And uh, God is not objectively real. Uh, the mystery of God is something that we are creating and fabricating in our own psyches. And we hold that fear within us. And so occasionally, the invisibility of God can actually appear as frightening to us, uh, maybe even questioning us. Uh, is this all real? Uh, am I going mad? Uh, am I losing my mind? Who am I talking to when I'm praying? Who am I asking things for? I can't see a person. I can't touch anyone. And so the invisibility of God uh, actually throws deep uh, questions in our hearts about whether or not uh, faith is real, given from a real being, a gift to us by a real God, or is it sort of a, an aimless human searching for meaning? And of course, fully, the answer to the invisibility of God is given, you know, a uh, long way away from Moses uh, in Bethlehem when God becomes visible. But the people of God have got to wait a long time before that visibility occurs. What's happening here with Moses is a deepening of trust, a deepening of the capacity to surrender, a deepening of the capacity to believe what is uh, most crucial oftentimes cannot be seen or weighed or tasted or measured. And um, in this element that Benedict is talking about, we see very clearly that faith is what sustains us. And if we do not have the deepest of intimacy with God in faith, then we're going to let these questions of fear begin to dictate how we understand religion. It's not fear that dictates how we understand religion. It's our surrendered response to revelation that dictates how we are religious people. And whenever we have these questions arise and then we begin to entertain fear around them, then our faith dwindles, becomes anemic and weak. And this is what happened to the people waiting at the bottom of the mountain. The people become very frustrated because they've lost patience and their restlessness. Does that cause them to create this false god? I mean, or, or a, a god that they can, you know, gaze upon? I think it's certainly part of it. I mean, imagine the people, Moses goes up to the mountain to commune with God as a friend, and they are waiting there, waiting for some dramatic revelation or waiting for some word. And in the waiting is a very dangerous period for human beings. Because we, since the fall, since uh, concupiscence, and uh, we easily desire that which is not of God, um, since the fall of man, waiting is literally suffering for us. And that's why uh, in our religion, we have the need to develop the virtue of patience, which is simply a way of saying, when we're waiting to take the suffering that is waiting, and make it the content of your relationship with God at that moment. But what we tend to do is take the waiting and the suffering that accompanies waiting, and we don't make it the content of our relationship with God. We make it the occasion for our infidelity to God. Because waiting causes us such psychic and affective pain, we go looking for immediate consolation, 
in other realities than God, even to the point of making a new God, which is what is illustrated here in the story of Moses, where they make a calf out of molten material, which is a symbol of all the idolatry that human beings have had from the beginning of time down to our time. And one of the ignitions for becoming idolaters is the inability to wait. Deep, deep pain is in waiting. Psychic and emotional pain. The ministry of the church should really be uh, ministering deeply into this uh, uh, pain of waiting. This is what makes people uh, a lot of times leave the church, is they're not patient enough with God and they don't know how to relate or talk to God or commune with God or share all their deepest thoughts, feelings, and desires with God. And so they think that God's not listening, and they think that their speech is not being heard. First of all, because maybe their speech isn't even really deep enough. A lot of people go to church and never have a real deep conversation with God. They, they sit there, they abide there in their pew in a very superficial level, perhaps, but they've never been instructed in an, on how to really commune with God in the depths of their heart. And so they begin to feel a fatigue or they get tired of waiting for God when in fact God is aching and longing to commune with them, but they're not really giving anything God to love. They're not giving anything God to have compassion over or to have his heart moved over, except for the fact that they don't know how to really commune with him. But for a real relationship to happen, it has to be God revealing and loving and it has to be ourselves revealing and loving. And so people become impatient with shallow or superficial worship, shallow and superficial prayer. And then they become afraid that the church is a waste of time. And so they, they, then they go off and look for other uh, diversions. Could be another church with maybe uh, a liturgy that has such activity in it that it feels like entertainment. And they, they're getting an art artificial or a natural consolation from being entertained. But even that after a while will not satisfy, and they will keep looking again. And they'll never satisfy the pain of waiting until within that waiting, they actually open up their entire heart to God. Where are you? Who are you? I'm looking for you. I'm longing for you. Are you real? Can I believe what these priests are telling me? Can I believe what's in the Word of God? Please help me. And if we go very deep into our heart, then actually the content of our waiting becomes the occasion for our intimacy. But if we just feel the pain of waiting, we'll go looking for false gods. It comes down to trust. I mean, it's the trusting that God is there, that He will take care of us. I mean, when you're look at what the Israelites went through. He had parted the sea. He had destroyed Pharaoh's army. He had protected them. And yet, they still, even after all that, they couldn't trust. It's amazing how, how sick we are as human beings. As you just so you know, beautifully stated, look at all that God had done for them. And yet, in the pain of waiting, in the felt isolation, in the lack of patience, it's almost as if the pain affected their memories and their memories were blotted out. 
And this happens very frequently in human life. Uh, You might uh, have a wonderful experience of grace or many graces. Your family, your husband, your children are doing well. Uh, You're employed. You have friends. You might have even had deep prayer experiences where you know that God exists and God loves you. But into this life enters some pain, some capacity to try your patience, to try your trust. And it's almost as if immediately all those memories of God caring for you are vanquished. And it's very sad and it's very pathetic. And I'm sure God's used to it. But when we look upon it just as human beings, it's almost astounding how frightening that is that we could receive so much from God, but in the, in the moment of pain that, is, that we are immersed in right now, that moment of pain or that moment of waiting, that moment of felt absence or the invisibility of God is so intense that that's all we see right now. And we can't even be consoled by the living memories of God's past activities in our lives. But instead we go not back to the memory, which could actually console us very deeply. We go looking for another God, which is almost reprehensible. We don't utilize the memory. We could recall our wedding day, or we could recall a graced prayer experience, or we could recall where God was so intimate with us holding our first baby, we could go back to those experiences of graces in the midst of pain. But the pain becomes so great that we are tempted to curse God and die like Job was. And instead of utilizing the memory as a place of consolation, to receive the grace that is always being given, we go looking for a false god. And uh, this is the source of Moses' anger when he came down from the mountain, is that they had forgotten. And this is the great gift that we receive from the Jews, the importance of memory, and even asking of God, asking God to deepen our memory of his graces so that we can give an account, we can testify before others how great God is. We'll never be able to do that unless we remember the great actions of God in our own lives. We'll return in just a moment to The School of Prayer, Reflections on the Teachings of Pope Benedict XVI with Deacon James Keating. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. Litany of Humility O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. 
from the desire of being esteemed. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected. Deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I. That others may be esteemed more than I. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. That others may be chosen and I set aside. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. That others may be preferred to me in everything. That others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. We now return to the School of Prayer, Reflections on the Teachings of Pope Benedict XVI with Deacon James Keating. When you talk about how pain may come and then our memory fades very quickly, disappears, and we are sent into a, can I say, a panic or a, a disillusionment at best, and we, we cry out. Can any of that pain compare to what... It, Jesus experienced with that first blow of the nail in his hand on the cross or the the pain that comes from having your feet nailed to a cross lifted up after being scourged and mocked. Well, of course, he's carrying all that pain for us there at the cross. And uh, we're called to bring the pain of waiting for God. So let's say that there's someone who is waiting for something as mundane as a new job. Uh, They're unemployed. Or something as commonplace as a a person waiting for a spouse. They just can't meet the right person. This pain of waiting for the new job for the spouse is real. No one should ever discount it. You can't go to that person and say, get over it, or don't worry, things will be better. That's an insult. They are deeply in pain. So what we bring to those people uh, is the mystery of the cross. Yes, right now you do not see, you do not feel, you do not hear, but God is working. God is preparing the best for you. Do you believe that God is working for you? Do you believe that God is laboring to bring about the best for you in this time of waiting? See, that's the real question. What do you think is happening in this time of waiting? Is it an abandonment? Is it a a rejection? Is God turned his back on you? 
in the waiting, are you trusting that God is preparing the best for you? And of course, this is the great uh, test of faith. By the way, the best for you is not a new job. And the best for you may not be a spouse. The best for you is that if you are going through this pain in faith, the best for you is that when it's all over, you will have a deeper intimacy with the Trinity. And that news, a lot of times, is received with great disappointment. You mean at the end of all this waiting and all this patience, I'll only have God? I won't have a job and I won't have a spouse? Perhaps not. You mean all I'll have is this invisible God? Yes. But he won't be invisible if you went through this waiting and this suffering with him. For you have shared every movement of your heart with him and every movement of your mind and will with him. And he has responded. And he has entered you more deeply than you even perceive. So as we grow in faith, the, uh, the remark that God is invisible will probably be sloughed off very soon. He may be invisible, but his presence is as real as anything that my eyes can see and my hands can touch. Because I have suffered this waiting, I have been patient and have shared it all with him, and he has entered me, and now I carry him. And he carries me. So even without a job or without a spouse, I have received the best that reality can give. I have received God. Pope Benedict XVI would say that, uh, quote, his intercession, speaking of Christ, his intercession is not just solidarity, but identification with us. He gives us a forgiveness that transforms and renews. He would say that he believes that we must meditate on this reality, Christ before God praying for us, identifying with us. From the heights of the cross, he didn't bring us new stone tablets of the law, but himself as covenant. Yeah, med- you know, meditating on the fact that Jesus identifies with us, you know, as we've said in the past, no There is no place you can go, even into the depths of human depravity and unspeakable, horrific suffering. There is no place you can go and not find Christ there, because that's where Christ went. He went there on the cross, the most innocent of all beings, entering the most vile of all realities human suffering. And this uh, suffering that humans undergo, particularly when we qualified by saying innocent humans, this suffering is the great gift that God the Father wanted to give to his beloved, the human race, in his son Jesus. Because obviously he knew that we needed to see him love us to no longer remain invisible, 
but to become the visible love on the cross. The action of God is what gives us the deepest consolation. Look what Jesus is doing is what heals us. When Moses talked about the lifting of the serpent up on the stick, look at the serpent and you will be healed. Look at Jesus on the cross. What are you looking at? What are you beholding? What are you contemplating? You're contemplating an action of love. And the Father knew we needed to see actions of love from him. And so he sent the word who took on flesh and totally identified with us. Of course we can understand how God would identify with us at the wedding feast of Cana or on uh, healing miracles or raising Lazarus from the dead. Beautiful, joyful occasions. How wonderful that God came and identified with us and shared in great joy. But now he also wants to tell us that he is sharing in the total opaque darkness of a suffering where we see no way out of. Whatever suffering that is in your life, where you don't see it ending at all, Jesus has already entered there. And with faith and in faith and through faith, you can have the deepest intimacy with Jesus in the darkest reality that you are living. And that's only possible because he identifies with us. He took on everything that is ours and wants to love us from inside human experience. Not from a safe place like the gods of Rome or Greece, from the high heavens. He wanted to love us from the inside of human experience. And in so willing, Jesus came to be. Are we called in this reflection then to become a Moses? I mean, are, is, is Moses identifying ultimately with Jesus? I mean, Jesus identifies with us. I mean, are we called to identify with him? I think the deepest identity that we are uh, given through Moses is the great and mysterious line that he was friends with God, that he was a friend of God. And to be a friend is to identify with the one that you love. And so mysteriously and prefigured in Moses' own trust and faith, we are given one of the deepest gifts that reaches its fulfillment in Jesus, is that we will be able to be called friends of God, sharing, having things in common with divinity itself. And of course, these things that we share and what we have in common with God are already gifts given to us by God, namely the love of truth and love itself, the sharing of the self in love, and the wonder and the splendor of marveling over the beauty of truth. All of these things uh, mark us as friends of God, which is the greatest gift that he has given now, there's a deeper intimacy that will be revealed later in Jesus explicitly, and that is that we are to become sons and daughters of God, an even deeper alignment with the Trinity, sons and daughters. But for now, with Moses, we see this splendid revelation that we are friends of God as well. 
So what should we take away then from this reflection as far as a, can I say, a concrete approach? What can we do today in our prayer to help us in this identification? Do not lose your memory of where God has touched you in the past. Through grace, he is still touching you in the present through that experience. So first, remember when God has moved in your life and never forget it and hold it as a place of refuge during times of darkness, panic, fear. Secondly, in any situation where you may be waiting or you need patience, the temptation of false gods, false consolations will always arise. Reaffirm reaffirm your faith in those situations. Share the pain with God. Don't try to escape the pain by moving from God. Take the pain to the depth of your relationship with God. And in doing so, you will avoid becoming an idolater. So when you're in pain, when you're waiting, when your situation calls for patience, Reaffirm your faith in God by sharing every ounce of that pain with God. And you may, in fact, not receive a healing of the, of the pain. Maybe you won't be cured, or maybe the time span between your unemployment and your new job will not be shortened. But it is guaranteed by faith, hope, and love that if you share every ounce of this pain of waiting with God, you will have deeper intimacy with Him as its fruit. In other words, you will be that much closer to heaven. Thank you, Deacon Keating. Thank you. You've been listening to The School of Prayer, Reflections on the Teachings of Pope Benedict XVI with Deacon James Keating. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com, or you can find it on the free Discerning Hearts app or on your favorite podcast streaming platform. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for The School of Prayer, Reflections on the Teachings of Pope Benedict XVI with Deacon James Keating.